trials, tribulations, and victory out here in the land of the nomad. We're going to talk about it in this podcast. It is a beautiful morning here at Imperial Dam. I am just south of Yuma, Arizona, and actually just north of Yuma uh, at Imperial Dam, but on the California side. Basically, I think it's called Winter Haven, California. This is a great time with this low and slow travel to review and integrate some of the things that have happened recently. Trials and Tribulations and Victories in Nomad Life in Podcast 1053, the Bob Davis Podcasts. Well, if you've been donating to the thebobdavispodcast.com and supporting what I am doing, I really, really appreciate it. Uh, it helps out on the road in two ways. One, obviously fuel prices are an issue, so it goes right in the tank. Number two, it assists the continuing chemical effort, uh, the chemical warfare eff- effort against flies. Flies here where I am, and I'll explain that shortly, are not as bad as they were at the other place. We'll talk about that, but I do appreciate uh, that. A couple of listeners have been, uh, and subscribers have been, doing the thing where they do, uh, they go to PayPal and they do the continuing donation. Thank you, Mindy Collins. Thank you, uh, Todd Myerskoff. Thank you, uh, I think Wayne Hindermeister, a couple other guys. I might have got your name wrong, but a couple other guys have done it. Really appreciate that. If you want to make a donation to the Bob Davis Podcast, go to thebobdavispodcast.com. Look for the picture of Mobile Podcast Command. Scroll down slightly. You will see a yellow oval, which takes you to the PayPal window, and you can do your options and do whatever you want to do as far as donations are concerned. It's greatly appreciated. And if you really want to help, really appreciate you subscribing to the podcast at uh, iTunes. Also, uh, it's available on Spotify and uh, Audible, uh, the Amazon platform, as well as Google Podcasts. I do get great analytics from the Google Podcasts as well. And that works great with Chrome or with um, Android devices, as does uh, Amazon uh, and the Audible and Spotify as well. And, of course, iTunes and uh, and uh, all the other services as well. Click on the banners and uh, all the other stuff for that at the top of the page at thebobdavispodcast.com. Imperial Dam, Senator Wash, I think it's Senator Wash Campground. This is about 40 miles from the hot springs where I was before for about three weeks. And again, in keeping with the shorter distances and longer stays venue or, or motif, I guess is the word I'm looking for, of the current travel effort, uh, it's great. You, you, you do get up earlier because the sun wakes you up because it just starts to get hot in here. It's about 100 degrees out here. Still the desert. Uh, Getting a little philosophical as I spend more time in places and get to know people more, making friends and renewing old friendships. So first, I'm going to tell a little story in this podcast, which uh, tells a little bit other kind of story, which I'll sum up at the end of the podcast. But basically, here's the lay of the land. It's This is a dam, so then there is a large body of water, and that is the Bureau of Reclamation. That's down on the water. There's a campground down on the water. There's a campground up here. This is a Bureau of Land Management long-term visitor campground. You have to have a pass to stay here for two weeks, and then you can bounce to another camp for supposed to be 25 miles away. And um, 
and then you can come back if you want to. What I'm doing is I'm staying a couple weeks and then moving on to just generally moving my way north very slowly for a lot of reasons. One, I don't want to go up north when it's still 50 degrees up there. I have no desire to be cold. I really like being hot, and it is hot out here. Very pleasant at night, not so pleasant during the day. Spend most of the day kind of just sitting in the shade, or if you're out, you know, you really feel it because the sun is very powerful right now, even though it's only May, right? But anyway, shorter distances, longer stays. This is a really nice campground. Uh, I'm sure during the year it's very busy, but it is beautiful. I am literally, I've got a million dollar view. We've sought out here a couple different times and said, boy, this is the kind of view that people pay millions of dollars for. I'm looking down on a green sort of forest of uh, you know, typical des desert plants, trees and uh, bushes and things like that. Nothing really spectacular. Across into uh, chocolate-colored uh, mountains, lots of rock, no vegetation at all. There's wild donkeys running around, which you may hear a couple different times during this podcast, or not. I, I, I don't know what's going to happen. Then you look down to the dam, and then beyond, you can look out over. Uh, you don't know. You don't see route State Route 95, Arizona 95, but you can look across and see the mountain tops that run along 95 castle rock uh kofa all along there and you can see those same tops of mountains from quartzite so that's generally where we are and the lay of the land here the lay of the land here we're up several hundred yards from the water and then you drive down the hill to the water and you can park along the lakeshore and and go into the lake and it's very pleasant, especially on hot days. They have showers up here and bathrooms, and that's great. So that's the lay of the land for this particular campground. So when I got to the hot springs, uh, right off eight in Holtville, California, about three weeks ago, I immediately ran into a friend from Quartzsite uh, earlier in the year, like Jan, January and February. And she said, well, we've been up here the whole time. This is where we wintered. Uh, come on back about a mile and a half on the dirt road and you'll see. So I went back there and there's a bunch of people back there and I camped out there for three or week, three or four weeks. And then it, it just got to be ridiculous. The dogs wouldn't, she has two big dogs and they wouldn't go out because the sand was too hot and everyone was gone. And finally the ranger came and said, yeah, we're, we'd like to clear everybody out of here because it's getting pretty hot. And uh, you guys have been here a while. And, well, I got this sticker. It doesn't matter. This was an LTVA, too. They said, well, you know, you've been here longer than two weeks. So anyway, that's generally the rule of thumb. Two weeks and you're gone. But most of the time, sometimes people stay longer than two or three. But I've talked about that in other podcasts. But anyway, my future plans are basically to continue to sort of work my way north uh, for the time being. And so the idea was, well, uh, let's go over to Yuma because I, I'm waiting for a, a renewed driver's license. I got to have it sent to Yuma, pick it up at the, uh, you know, uh, the, the place where I do my business mail uh, place. I have a couple things to do. I have to do. I have to go to a bank and some other things that I have to do. So while we're here, this guy pulls in in a big Thomas school bus that I think it's probably 90s or early 2000s got a big 408 on it and he parks and then later he moves down by the dump station so 
we met a couple times, and then he comes up and he's telling me about where he got the school bus and giving me these uh, the guy's card for the school bus company and and because uh, I had some questions about school bus school buses and so we're talking whatever. And at this point, Alicia, that's the woman that that uh, I came up here with. She decided to go down with her dogs and take her forty-five foot RV down the hill to the lakeshore and camp down there for a couple days because it would be better for the dogs and the dogs could go in the water. She likes to keep them away from people. So I decided I was just going to stay up here on the high ground. So a couple of things that you need to know. First of all, there's a sign that says, if you hear the whistle, you need to get out of the low ground fast because they do add water from time to time to this lake. Now, we later talked to the camp host, and he goes, I've, I've never heard the whistle, and I've been here for 15 years. <laughs> but we didn't know that. We saw the sign that said, you know, so then that weighed on her. And over the next two or three days, as I got acquainted with the 45-foot school bus, she was down uh, enjoying herself with the dogs down on the, um, uh, on the water. But at the same time, it was worrying her that the whistle was going to blow and she was going to have to roll out of there fast. Now, she has a 45-foot Class A uh, camper with a trailer, and she kept the trailer. She hauls her car on the trailer, so she kept the trailer hooked up to the vehicle, and she was going to come up here. It was kind of dinner time, and we were kind of planning a dinner, and so she said, well, I'm coming up, and she backed up and got herself so backed up and into this uh, corner where all these bushes were that basically she was stuck, and I mean stuck. Not quite as bad as I got stuck the other week or so uh, in the dunes, but pretty bad. And this began a three-day odyssey of trying to get her out. Uh, The tribulations of digging, rocking, backing, getting the trailer jammed in the bushes, needing to get the trailer moved, having to do all these things in order to keep trying to get her out because there wasn't... Uh, there, oftentimes with nomads, the, the, the resources are limited because people are on a month-to-month thing. There was no money for a tow, so this is what we ended up with. So then enter Mike with the schoolie. Mike comes down with the schoolie, which has got these huge tow hooks on the front, and we managed to get her, uh, well, first we, we tried pulling her back. We managed to get the trailer out of there and managed to pull her back, but then she got stuck again. And then she got tried to go forward. We tried to pull her forward. And then she got stuck on a, on a bunch of trees. We, we actually spent a, a few hours chopping the trees down, chopping, sawing, chopping with various implements. We had a hatchet, we had a saw, thank God. And we had uh, uh, a shovel with um, uh, serration on one side, and we just banged away at these bushes until we got them down. We still couldn't get it out. And it got even more stuck. We'd move it. It would get st- stuck even more. Then Mike was like, well, I can't, I can't come up any farther because then I'm going to get the bus stuck. And so uh, that wasn't going to work. So we're sitting there, and I, and I said to uh, Alicia... Uh, at one point, uh, are your water tanks full? And she was like, yeah. <laughs> so, well, that kind of explained a lot of it. And we, we couldn't figure out whether we wanted to turn open up the, the seacocks and let the, the heavy water out. But uh, we decided to wait. 
finally it just got into this is the third day basically finally it just got later and later in the evening the sun's going down and this thing was so stuck that uh, mike now mike had been a long-haul truck driver and some other stuff and he was just like i just am very reluctant he got in tried to move it had a little more luck but he was like i'm just very reluctant to um you know do anything else with this now this is another thing about these rvs with uh, v10 engines in them ford v10s they're built for the highway they're not they're not set up for, with any torque at all and you know you're talking about a very heavy vehicle so it would have been we felt it would have damaged the truck too much if we kept trying to do this and so at that point i was like well you're going to have to call heavy recovery because i don't think there's anything else we can do and she was like I don't have any money. I said, well, we'll pass the hat. We'll do whatever it takes. We'll help. Whatever. Uh, she had just gotten a campus job in Colorado, so she wanted to get out of here, and uh, that's where we're at. So we have dinner. Everybody goes to sleep. We're exhausted. We're covered with sand. We're just, you know, done. And the next morning, there's a knock on the door let me see your pass oh well you don't have a pass well i got that ltva pass well that's that was over in april you're done you, you know you've been here way longer than two weeks which is not true but you know i didn't have the pass so i didn't want to get into a big argument and then we went through the whole process of well do we leave her here you know i mean what do we do we can't just walk away from this person we're trying to help so we're going to talk about that in the second half of this podcast one of the things that's great is uh, being able to get exercise. And one of the great things about being in the desert is I've been able to get out and practice yoga in a hot environment. And that's one of the reasons I like being in this climate so much. But it's also because during the winter, when I was unable to get out of the car, uh, out of the truck and practice yoga, I could uh, do a session with Juliet at BU Enterprises, and you could do various exercises in the truck. She can see what you're doing, you can see what she's doing, and she can help you get in your body, feel your body, stretch, and stay fit. So if you're chained to Zoom, chained to the kids, chained to the office, you can't get out and exercise, then uh, BU Enterprises can really, really help you out whether it is the uh, standard um, sort of uh, zoom call or you can do something like FaceTime she can do groups so she can do your whole team uh, with these exercises and things that she does so click on the banner at the top of the page of the Bob Davis podcast.com that says BU Enterprises B-E-Y-O-U B-U Enterprises well I don't want to spend too much time on the issue of it's a Byzantine system of passes and rules at Bureau of Land Management and these various USDA agencies, reclamation, um, you know, uh, things like at the National Forests. If you're not in the campground where they have the fireplaces and the picnic tables and you're in the dispersed campings, you can camp, camp, you can camp at those places for free. Uh, here, uh, some places that you go to, you have to have a pass out of season. They don't seem to care. Sometimes they care. Sometimes they don't. In this case, uh, he was like, well, you know, you guys have to have passes. And I, well, what do I do? Well, you can get a yearly pass for the LTVA, which is actually only 75 bucks down at the other camp host. And I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, I'll go down and, and, you know, you're trying to say, well, do I have enough? Time? Do I have to go now? Or can I, no, you know, no, you're good. Stay another day and get the pass. And I said, well, then if I get the pass, well, you know, he goes, then you got two weeks, you're good to go. So 
okay, we're, I'm going to go down and get a pass at some place. In the meantime, uh, Mike, who owns the school bus, who when he was in the military was uh, part of community relations uh, operations where they would go in and they tried to get the power on uh, and work with local villagers and stuff. So uh, he's getting to know the ranger and at this point we begin to say look and we're trying to help this friend of ours who's down on the flat she's up in that uh, sand and he goes oh god that's the sand where the silt comes down from the road when it rains and that's very sandy down there it's 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 very hard to get vehicles out of there and we're talking 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 and mike's talking 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 and well, it comes up that they were all veterans. Alicia's a veteran. Um, she was a Navy corpsman. And then uh, Mike's a veteran. And then this camp host is a veteran, which is kind of neat. I'm not, but I mean, these guys were all veterans. Next thing you know, we're sitting up here talking about, well, what do we do? We're trying to figure out, what do we do today? Do we try to get her out or, or do we wait for her to call a pickup, um, you know, a tow truck? Because it's going to have to be heavy recovery, right? So it's going to be a semi. It's going to cost a pretty penny, even though they're closer. And I'm, you know, trying to figure that out. And, and she's trying to figure it out. And we hear the front loader down on the flat, beep, beep, beeping, going back and forth. And this guy, uh, Martin, I'm going to say his name. I hope I don't get you into trouble. But he he's basically the maintenance guy here. And uh, he knows they're going to build a vault toilet down there at some point. So he's going to go down there at this point and clear the brush away. So he literally built a road to the back of her vehicle, cleared all the bushes out of the way. And then I had a chain that my friend Steve Steiner gave me that we'd been using to try to pull her out with the bus. Grabbed the chain, went down there. One of the cotter pin uh, pins fell out, so we had to make one get the chain and and he goes look if you guys have been uh, you know we'll I'll pull her out if you can if you can dig her out so then we had to excavate uh, the vehicle to get get it to be able to pop out of the hole it was in so that meant it was sandy it was it was it had sunk in all the way to the differential and to the leveling and to the exhaust and everything else that's how far down it was so it was as far down as my truck was in that sand in uh, on the other side of the state. So uh, we basically started digging, 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 reaching with our feet and pulling and just getting as much sand out of there as we could to get to get it somewhat clear. And he hooked the chain up to the front loader and just basically slowly pulled her out. And that was a that was an amazing moment. I was like, wow, you know, how did we do that? How did you do that? I didn't do it. I, I mean, all I did was help because I really didn't know what to do. I would have just called a tow truck. Um, and the best thing I could do is just say, I'll split it with you if you can, if you can get it out. So let's talk about the victory here. That's, that's really what this was, a huge victory because everything came together. It was, instead of getting pissed at the camp post because they were asking us to leave it was sitting and talking and and asking and and uh, you know while trying to get advice or trying to get the name of a tow truck company or anything else. And when she finally hooked up the trailer, well, she had to get that hooked up too, and then headed up the hill to the overlook where we all camp. We were like cheering. Everybody was cheering, and you know we said to Martin, you know, you did it, man. Thank you. And he goes, I didn't do anything. I, I used one hand. I didn't do anything. The thing is, and this is a thing I find interesting. This is a weekend, and it's uh, Yuma, California, and there were probably five to ten other RVs down there. And 
One guy offered help the first day to Alicia. He went and said, you know, he told her, why don't you get some rocks and put them under the wheels? And, and he helped hand her a couple of rocks and then went back to his trailer. And then we asked for help, and he was like, well, you know, I've got a bad back. And, you know, well, what about these other guys? There were five or six able-bodied men down there that could have assisted us at least to dig, push, lift the trailer, do a lot of the things that Mike and I basically had to do, and Alicia together. And Alicia is not a big woman. And we did that all weekend over and over again. So it's an interesting thing because um, the people that go, you know, above and beyond are the people that will not give up. And that's because we put in the effort. We would not give up. And I have to say that Mike is the one that really wouldn't give up. He just kept at it. And he kept at it with the, with the camp post as well. And she did too. We just wouldn't give up. I was ready to call a tow truck. Only the nomad bond, and I have to include the bond of fellow veterans, will come through when no one else will come through for people. And, and I think also a can-do spirit won us this little tiny victory that has a huge lesson in it. And, I mean, just like the veterans, this is something that I've come to recognize with the nomads. I'm in no, by no means am I comparing myself to veterans, but I, I witnessed the bond with the veterans and uh, the willingness to help each other. But I also see it to a certain degree with nomads because we're all, and, you know, it's don't beat yourself up. It's comfort and it's also whatever advice you can offer, whatever thing you've got. I remembered I had that chain. You know, uh, he had the school bus, somebody else had something else, somebody else had another idea, and everybody's just, and it was just the three of us just trying to get her out and do the right thing. And I think that the Campos saw when he went down there how much effort had gone into shoving things under the wheels, every kind of traction device and freaking rocks and everything else you can possibly think of. Uh, one guy came by with a with a, a twenty five hundred uh, Ram uh, lifted truck with uh, you know tires that would be fine on the sand, and uh, he said, "Well, I'll help if you have straps." We didn't have straps, so he wouldn't he couldn't do it because he didn't he was afraid it would mess his truck up. Okay, fine. Um, but the thing is, did we did we want to spend the weekend digging in the dirt um, when it was a hundred degrees? Did she have to ask? for that help or beg us no absolutely not it was willingly offered uh, no matter what the circumstance so in the end this is the lesson of uh, of this whole experience for me that so readily apparent uh, out here and not always readily apparent back in the world now, i'm not going to say that i never got any help from anybody back in the world but um there's a real effort to step forward and 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 help and sometimes uh well all the time there should not be and there isn't any expectation of any kind of gain now, she couldn't have given us any money she couldn't have given us anything we didn't want anything actually for both mike and i it turned into a huge contest of we're gonna get this thing out of here if it if it kills us you know we don't care <laughs> we were just so interested in doing it and obviously no discussion of political orientation or life orientation or anything else. This is just what we do because we, we do it for each other because we could be in the situation anytime. You know, uh, somebody runs out of gas, somebody needs help for whatever reason. Uh, out here, when it's a nomad, you help because five miles down the road, they could be passing you and you'd have the same problem. So 
rather than cause problems, rather than fan the flames of negativity and discord, we all stepped forward with whatever we had to offer to a solution and ultimately to victory. And I think there's a lesson in there, especially in these times, for everybody. Uh, and of course, now we're celebrating. Tonight's uh, steak and coffee and uh, sharing the bond in front of the fire and embellishing the story, f knowing full well that the next time you know we do this, the next time we see each other, and it could be years, we will all laugh and we'll talk about this moment. So it's a story to tell, it's a story to remember, and it's a feeling to remember. And it makes all the frustration of, for me, uh, low and slow travel worth it. Finally, if you're saying, oh, well, you know, this is just, this is, this guy's a, an idiot because he got stuck. And then the next time his friend gets stuck and, you know, you got to watch what you're doing and everything else. All of us ha have been doing this for a while. We're experienced enough to know better. But you, you will make mistakes. And if you're a nomad listening to this and you just started, you are going to make you know, grand mall seizure errors that are going to require assistance. And you're either going to have to pay for it or figure out how to get it out of there or solve that problem um, without having to pay for it or with just the help you can get from your friends. And, and uh, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. And you can't beat yourself up because I, I did this whole podcast about the law of fast forgetting. You know, circumstances change. The type of travel you're doing changes. You forget about things that you learned a year ago or two years ago or five years ago. And you can't beat yourself up when you do something stupid because you're going to. It just I've said it a hundred times. It's one of the problems and it's one of the, the facts of nomad life that people people just think it's a party the whole time. And most of the time it is. And this is the kind of stuff that I'm doing this for. It is is I don't know how to do this stuff, but I learned a lot about how to pull a truck out of a, out of the sand. You know, it's also a learning experience for me. And if you think of it that way, well, it's a lot easier to take the setbacks. But it's very easy to blame. We were laughing and talking about blaming. Oh, blaming others is healthy. So let's blame all the RV guys that didn't help. But they couldn't have done anything really. They could have helped us. They could have helped us dig, but. You know, it's just something that had to process itself out. And at one point I said to Alicia, we were going to the store and I said, well, you got some bad juju. <laughs> she was like, do I? I know. You know, welcome to my world. And then after we got her out, I said, there's some good, there's some good juju for you. You got some good juju there. So it's always great to have a happy ending to a story like that, because then you take the lesson, not from frustration. And for three nights, we were pretty frustrated. You take a lesson not from frustration, but from victory, and that's great. One of the great things about locally owned, community-focused, independent refueling stations is they can save money on the fuel that they buy and pass the savings on to you. I know fuel is expensive. The guys at 36 and Lynn know that fuel is expensive, but at least you save a little bit until things start to get more organized. Uh, if you get the chance, visit 36 Lynn at uh, the corner of 36th Street South and Lindale Avenue South in South Minneapolis in the Loon Lake neighborhood. They've been there for years. They have a great store. It's all about the store. All kinds of great things. Locally sourced. Great candy. Great coffee. Great snacks. All kinds of other things in the store at 36 Lynn. And ask them about their upcoming uh, special events for summer. They do all kinds of community stuff. 36 and Lynn. Uh, next time you're in Minneapolis and you need a cup of coffee or whatever, uh, get filled up and say hi.
For more information, click on their banner at the top of the page of the BobDavisPodcast.com that says 36Lynn or visit 36Lynn.com. So thanks for listening to Trials, Tribulations, and Victory in the Land of the Nomad, Bob Davis Podcast 1053. Now it's time to get the steaks ready, make some coffee, and get ready to have some fun and celebrate tonight. <gasps> I went home with a waitress The way I always do How was I to know She was with the Russians too I took a little risk Send lawyers, guns and money Dad, get me out of this